Good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Let's, uh, let's worship together. We had a few, we have a few people coming in from the lobby. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows of my soul work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope, who could imagine so great a mercy, the heart could fathom such boundless grace, the God of ages stepped down from glory to where its grip on me have broken every chain there's salvation in your name jesus christ my living hope jesus christ my living hope then came the morning sealed the promise my very body the goodness of God. 
all my life. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. Love your voice. You have led me through the fire. You are there like no other. I know you as a father. I know you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life. You have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. can have a seat. I have some uh, testimony time coming up. Good morning. My name is Harvey and welcome to Genesis. Particularly those who are here for the first time, we hope that you are made comfortable through the Word of God and through our music and through our sermon. Um, it's time now for testimony. Testimony meaning uh, what, what has God helped you with or uh, the story that uh, you went through this week about what was going on in your life and uh, in your family and uh, Pastor Dad. 
Harvey warned me I, I was going to be drafted for testimony times. Um, but uh, as many of you know, Lily, our granddaughter, uh, was in the hospital for uh, three days, two nights uh, this week. And uh, Sharon and I just got so exhausted. She stayed with her overnight uh, in the pediatric ward. I showed them where we caroled on Christmas night. We, she was in one of those rooms, you know, and so we talked about the, our Bible study group went and Christmas caroled there with others. And, um, but uh, she was, uh, she was pretty dangerous at some levels, but uh, recovered very well. Uh, but I guess my testimony is, you know, thank you, Imad and, and uh, Dave, uh, is it David? <laughs> for leading in the singing, the songs about God's care and God's love for us in difficult times, you know, and that's like, that's what, what we experienced. We're really worn out. I've been in a lot of pain and um, we could, we just kind of sat around yesterday. Weren't sure if we'd make it for church today, but we did. But um, there have been people praying for us. You know, we got the elders and my, my uh, Bible study group was praying for me because I missed that. Uh, you guys know. And uh, uh, but I'm going to I'm going to tell the story you told, Bonnie. <laughs> uh, Bonnie's both in a small group with us and also in uh, the elders prayer chain. And uh, she said Wednesday, which is kind of like the worst time for Lily uh, Wednesday, God woke her up at one something in the morning. 126 or something like that. She remembers the exact time and put on her heart to pray for Lily. And she prayed for Lily. And I just think, you know, God works in so many amazing ways. And I just want to praise the Lord and thank you for all that you're doing. Uh, we need some continued prayer. She seems to be doing well, but um, uh, Sharon and I are still trying to recover. Well, Father, we just ask that you would be with Lily, make her whole again, and uh, be with their two caregivers as well. Uh, raise of hands, let's talk. Way back there. I'm going to bring you you're up too, Jeff Sparling. You had your hand up. Good morning, church. This weekend, Ryan and I have been married for five years. <laughs> And you guys have been with us every part of the journey. We were dating when we started coming here and just the amount of love and the things that we've been through and we've made it through. And I just want to praise God because, woo, we made it. We did it. So, woo. Amen. Yes. Hi. Um, I play these video games. And sometimes I get to talk about Jesus a little bit in the public chat. Sometimes I don't as easily. But then uh, I make friends and we can talk on Discord. I don't know. That's a uh, chat group for, uh, for many different video games. You can go there and chat if you don't know what it is. And so I sometimes give my testimony a little bit because it goes with my book that I share with them freely on Discord. And I had a friend who... Um, came to Christ, and that is the miracle. What happened, he wanted us, me to share it with here, so there'd be prayers in America. He lives in Italy. Um, he found a girl, and um, she 
said that she was very tired and she was possessed by Satan and he was an unbeliever, but he called his mom and her boyfriend had the Holy Spirit. And so he came over there and so he, I'm not sure about the girl, I know that she's doing better now, but I don't know how much better, but he's hanging out with Christian kids now is what he said. And I told, I just told him, remember all the reasons you had that you ignored to believe because those are going to stick with you for a long, long time. But he's saved now, and uh, we need a, he needs our prayers. Uh, thank you. Who else has their hand up? Oh, yes, Mary. Hi, I'm Mary. And I saw God's, I had God's sighting last weekend. We were given tickets to go to the DSO. And I have never been. And so Jerry went with me and we used the tickets, but it was Father's Day. And oh my goodness, all those people, you look at them and you think how many hours of practice they have put in from the time they were little. And oh, the pianist was just, he was the whole second part. And like I said, it was God that has made these people to give this and to give it to other people, just to be making it that I wanna show this off because I, um, I have this training in me and I can play and one of them playing, I would have liked. <laughs> I would still have liked it. But this whole stage, oh my goodness, it was wonderful. And now I'm gonna hunt for someone else who can go with me besides Jerry. <laughs> but God was there, I know it. Yes. Anyone else? Raise your hand up the front there. Hi, Pastor. <laughs> Again, I have to tell you, I'm walking normal. My knee is fine. I'm walking like a normal 86-year-old guy, and I love it. Thank you, God. Morning, I'm Ed. And uh, my first God sighting this morning is seeing Dan here. It's a blessing. Welcome back. Um, so as some of you know, I, um, I'm involved at UOD Jesuit, and I work with a lot of students there. And um, it's really a blessing for me because God didn't bless me with children. The other thing I do, I don't do enough there. So the other thing I do is I help out a design firm up in Lake Orion. And I'm the, guy, the numbers guy, I'm the operations guy. I know nothing about design. I have no design genes, nothing like that. But this week our, our owner was on vacation and um, she, she directed me and our executive assistant to make sure that the design team was working. Well, this is like, you know, telling me to make sure that the line is running in a factory. But um, so we met with these folks every day, these youngsters. And um, one of the things that our owner put on the list for the design team was send floor plans to a couple different cabinet companies. So I've seen these floor plans. I've seen the floor plans. I've seen the cabinet plans that the, that the companies send back. 
And um, so I've got kind of a lost look on my face, and I'm looking at people who have a lost look on their face because they had not in their experience done this before. Well, the Lord led me to uh, an old project we'd worked on, and we walked through, the, all of us walked through the, the different stages of these layouts. And um, while we have blueprints from all these houses, um, blueprints don't reflect what there's, is gonna be. And so I, I worked with one of our new design interns who was actually returning to the workforce after 20 years of being a mom. And um, we actually got through that. And then I worked with our young, the son of our owner who does our renderings, who had never done a floor plan before. And we walked through that and got that done. And by the end of the week, we had plans back from the cabinet companies for our cabinets. So praise the Lord, because he was the one who did that. Okay. Hi, I'm Bonnie. Um, this Wednesday, our church did a little carnival for the elementary and younger kids, and it was really fun. Um, I had had a really rough day and was like running on empty when I arrived. And uh, often I would stay home because it's easier to be home and struggle than struggle with people. But like looking back, I walked in the door and just sort of went like this. <laughs> um, and I felt uh, people's support. So people gave me hugs and um, Ben took Roger around to all the stations <laughs> and I didn't even ask. Um, I just, I'm really thankful and I felt like God was like, you don't have to stay home and struggle. You can just like come and let people help you. So. Amen. Thank you. Yes. My son is covering his face right now because he's a little embarrassed that dad wants to say something. So it's going to get worse when he learns it's about him. So that's interesting. Um, no, so I just thought I would share quickly. I, I haven't before. This is not a particularly recent story, but it's something that I never really um, given thanks and praise to God publicly for. And it actually was spurred by by Dan's um, you know testimony about the experience with Lily, and, and in particular the the kind of night awakening. But all of our kids have been very asthmatic, and they've been in the hospital for that a number of times. Um, so we've dealt with that throughout the years and it's been kind of, you know, mostly when they're younger, Jude here has seemed to outgrow it at this point. But um, there was one instance where he was in a, a kind of particularly precarious case and had been in the hospital for a few days and my wife was with him overnight. And I had been, of course, praying a lot throughout the day and, and you know, really concerned and worried. And I went to bed and I was snapped awake sometime around one in the morning. It's been years now, but, it was uh, you know, around the same time. And so your comment, that story brought it to memory, but I was uh, awakened and I was singing, which was very weird. Um, and I was singing a song by Andrew Peterson, who uh, is a musician that a lot of his music is like narratives and this song, um, Passover Us is, is actually the story of Passover. So the lyrics I was singing was, Lord, let your judgment pass over us. Lord, let your love hover near. Don't let your sweet mercy pass over us. Um, 
and then there's more to it. But um, I, I was singing that song and praying and taking a lot of deep breaths and kind of breathing out and kind of, I had this vision of breathing into his lungs because there was this asthma and asthmatic exacerbation and kind of this really terrible asthmatic experience. So I prayed and fell back asleep and I checked my phone and there was nothing from my wife and nothing to be concerned with. And I was, you know, eventually back, went back to sleep. When I woke up in the morning, um, he had just incredibly made this turnaround that was like miraculous um, from oxygen saturations that were in the 80s and to normal. And the thought that snapped into my head immediately was from God. And I think we all have these moments where it's undeniably there's an imprint of God in our life and it was, the whole context of Passover that the firstborn was being protected by the blood of Jesus and, and the angel of death was passing over the houses of the Israelites and everything kind of made sense at that point as to why that song was in my head and it's just a, a cool story and something to kind of you know reflect that elements of our prayer helps to protect those we care about but the way that that was delivered to me was such a comfort to me as well when I when I experienced that so I, for me, it was a time where I was praying a lot and very vulnerable and very open because of fear and because of, you know, not knowing what was going to happen. And I just hope, that, I know in my own life when everything's good, I tend to not be that connected to God. And, and it's a reminder that we should try to be even when things aren't perilous. Amen. Let me, let me point out that uh, Jeff Sparling, Jeff has been with this church for decades but Jeff had, a, had an accident uh, you, you broke your ankle was that about is that what happened he broke his foot so Jeff Sparling add that to your prayer list uh, real quick um, my wife and I just returned from Los Angeles uh, our daughter Dea was in a musical there uh, it was wonderful uh, no we didn't see any of the tour stuff because I wanted to be with her as much as we can when, when she wasn't acting on the stage we were together and i don't i didn't need to see any of the tourist things in uh la or the surrounding area uh question real quick wouldn't it be nice if all of us took off our face mask so we could so we could see how you really are would that be great? I wear a face mask at our city council meetings in East Point. It's called a smile face mask because I have to smile no matter if the people come up and are mean to me or mean to the council or mean to the city, I wear that mask still smiling no matter what happens. Uh, one thing that I do here at the church, I'll approach somebody, I'll put my hand on their shoulder I'll say, how you doing? And they'll say, oh, I'm, I'm doing fine. Then I say, you know, I love you. You're my sister or you're my brother. How are you? And then they'll tell me how they are, the problems that they have. And we'll pray because what they did, they took the mask off. And that's what we need to do. Take your mask off so people really know who you are. I can't pray for you if I don't know if you have a problem or not because you've got that mask on. So next week, we're all gonna come to church and we're going to have our mask off. We're gonna be who we really are. 
and hope that somebody notices that and hope that, that they pray for us. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> oh, gee, I, I, thought I, was, I thought I was speaking to everybody that was asleep. But now I get to dismiss, oh, yeah, dismiss, I think. It says dismiss the kids. So if there's any kids <laughs> that I'm going to tell them to leave the sanctuary. And we're going to have one more song. And uh, thank you, gentlemen, for what you have done for us. And we, you, you know, they brought us into the, the mood that we're supposed to be in, didn't they? It's, every week they play some fantastic music. And it gets me in the mood. I'm, re I'm ready for the message. I'm ready for the prayer. So God bless everybody. And thank you. Thank you. God bless. Amen. All right. Thanks, Harv. Um, we're going to do one more song. And uh, <clears throat> you can feel free to sit or stand. Um, close your eyes. Keep them open. Um, but I, I invite you to uh, maybe take a deep breath. It's been a hectic morning for me. For me. I don't know about you. Just, or recently. Um, just take a deep breath and breathe out slowly. Um, Lord, thank you for this day. Um, thank you for this time, um, for the people, for each person here. Um, Lord, may we know your presence wherever we are um, in healing uh, and growing um, in new things. In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise Give me Jesus Give me Jesus Give me Jesus You can have all this world. Give me Jesus. And when I'm alone, oh, when I'm alone, oh, when I'm alone, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you can have all this world, you can have all this world, yeah, you can have all this world, give me Jesus. some uh, announcements here from Greg. Hi, good morning, Genesis. Hi, my name is Greg, and Brendan and Sarah are going to come by, and they're going to pass out some colorful index cards. So everyone take one, please. 
and stay tuned, I'll tell you about them. Um, yeah, so please take a moment and let us know you are here by filling out either the digital connection card on the website or the physical green card, not the index card, but this one, uh, <clears throat> from, um, and that might be in your pew. If you're new to Genesis, you can text new to Genesis, all one word, to 94,000. You can place that physical green card in the wooden box at the back of the sanctuary. This is also where you can place your offering if you brought it with you. Thank you to all who give throughout the various means, physical or whether through online or text. Thank you. Uh, for people on Zoom or Facebook, uh, we are taking communion today after the teaching. So um, during connection time, please grab some elements in your house. Um, yeah, so with the, with the index cards, so we want to be a church uh, that has rhythms of celebration and are constantly looking for new ways to celebrate what God is doing. Uh, so whether that's in us, through us, or around us. And so to highlight this, we have a bulletin board. Um, if you kind of, as you were coming in, maybe through that direction, there's a bulletin board that says, um, yeah, it's everyday people living and loving like Jesus. And so we just have a vision of this bulletin board being like full of all these colorful cards with ways that God has touched our lives. Um, and it can be something that was, you shared or you heard shared in the God sightings time. Um, and so here are the, some of the prompts and you can take a moment right now with the card uh, that you have and a pen from your pew. And uh, you can do this right now or you can do this later in the week. Um, I'm just gonna read through these prompts slowly and just, uh, if there's one you wanna take with you to meditate on later, um, please just feel free. So, in the last week, how have you shown Jesus-like love to another person? In the last week, has someone loved you like Jesus does and how? The next prompt might be that, uh, how has God gotten your attention this week? Has someone stood out to you as a person to encourage? Yeah, or maybe you have a different prompt that you want to journal about or... So if you're feeling up for it and brave, write your God sightings or... Um, how you have experienced God's love on the card, if you're willing to share. And there's a stapler back there by the bulletin board. Go ahead and post your card. Um, yeah, let's, uh, by the end of the month, let's see that bulletin board just covered with all these rainbow cards. I think it'd be great. Um, one other announcement. Uh, so we are eating together next week. Um, bring a picnic lunch, and the church will provide ice cream and popsicles. So please come and have a good time. And I'm gonna release you guys for connection time. So say hi to someone next to you. Thanks.
Yeah. Hey. All right. Let's uh, move back to our seats. I see a number of our elders here today. Um, so just be prepared. I'm going to offer elder prayer before communion, just so you know. So just be ready for that. Couple things. One, Harvey, I appreciate your statement around uh, being vulnerable and authentic. I will challenge you. Please don't wait till next week. What we've what we've heard this morning already is that God meets us in our vulnerability and in our loss and in our discomfort. So please do not wait until next week. So I remember <clears throat> our three kids returning from a week at my parents' cabin. They used to do this regularly. Tina and I would have one week out of the year that we could sleep in. And it was a gift to us. But specifically, on the return drive from Chicago home, I think it might have been Mercy. But one of the kids told us that grandma had threatened them on this trip. <laughs> so if you know my mom, you know that that's a crazy statement. I don't think my mom would threaten a fly. Like she had the hardest time getting bats out of their attic. But the kids reported to us that on this trip, grandma had threatened them. And so that started an interesting conversation. What was the scenario? What was the context? What were the words that she used? And they said, if you don't stop jumping on these beds, somebody is going to get hurt. Uh, that's hilarious. It wasn't intended to be a threat, but it was definitely heard like a threat. <laughs> it was actually intended to be a loving caution about a possibility. I share this story because this is the same with our scripture today. It's Matthew chapter 10, if you want to open your Bible or use technology, it will be on the screen. But in this text, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's being very, very specific with them because he's just sent them out to share the good news. In readers of the documenting of this text have had the same type of misunderstandings as my kids did. Where many hear this text as a list of threats instead of being a loving, loving caution 
around possibilities. And so this morning, I want us to actually go verse by verse through this text. My hope is that God would speak a word of love to you this morning in your specific situation. And so, as always, I like for us to name our intention as for why are we here this morning. And so, may I suggest, if you don't have an intention already, may I suggest God help us to trust you one degree more today. So let me pray. God, we invite your spirit to continue to do what you've already started. So you've been long at work in these conversations. You've been long at work in these narratives. And so we come with expectation that you will continue to be present, Emmanuel. And so we invite your spirit to teach and to lead and to comfort And so we ask for your mercy this morning. In Jesus' name and in his authority, we ask. Amen. So Matthew 10, starting at verse 24, says, The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, which means prince of demons, how much more the members of his household? So Jesus has just said to the 12 that they're gonna go out, they're gonna join his mission, which is to heal and to restore. And they're making a lot of enemies along the way. And so Jesus sits them down and has this conversation. He's saying to them, if you're going to be associated with me, you would do well to watch what happens to me. This will be a good indicator of how you can expect to be treated. If they call me the prince of demons, what do you think they're going to call you? I like Eugene Peterson's version of this. He translated it, be content, pleased even, when you, my students, my harvest hands, get the same treatment that I get. If they call me dung face, What should you expect? <laughs> I've been called a lot of things. Dung face is not one. <laughs> and I have to believe that that might be as close to a curse word as Eugene Peterson ever got. <laughs> if they treat me this way, what should you expect? Let's continue, verse 26. So, do not be afraid of them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. 
What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim on the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell or in Gehenna. Jesus is addressing rampant fear in his disciples. He's saying, when those who hold power in this world are threatened, they retaliate and destroy whatever they can. And in this case, the worst that they can do is take away your life. But in Jesus' perspective, this reveals a limitation to their power. Amen? So they aren't worthy of your fear because all they can do is take your life. Secondly, Jesus isn't directing us or the disciples to live afraid of God. But instead, what he's saying is if you're going to fear someone, at least make it someone who can destroy both your body and your soul, not just your body. Because killing the body is the way that the world exercises its power, and it's not the way that God exercises power. So how does God exercise power? Verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. This is the third do not be afraid in this text. Jesus is reassuring the disciples that God does not function like the powers of this world. God does not operate from insecurity. If you have to fear, Jesus says, then fear God. <laughs> but fear God knowing this. God is kind of obsessed with caring for sparrows. <laughs> Let that marinate. If God is caring for sparrows, then God will care for us as well. Amen? Jesus is dispelling the power of fear. Though the bullying and the threats of violence and even death are very real concerns for the disciples, they're not to be the determining force in their lives. God's love and God's care is to be the determining force. Because God is the one who has ultimate power over our whole being and exercises that power with mercy and tenderness and love, like one who cares for sparrows. Verse 32. 
Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I'll disown before my Father in heaven. Jesus is being brutally honest about the threats that these 12 will face. Because their good news will not be good news to everyone that hears it. They will rival systems of power. And they will be called to give an account by those that have benefited from those systems. And Jesus is literally telling them, when you're in that situation, don't disown me. And yet, some of them will. Verse 34, do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. I don't like this text. It doesn't sit well. It had me pacing. I really don't like it because it's usually taken on face value and it is usually applied out of context. And I really struggle with any biblical text that can be spun to justify hatred or violence towards others. And this is one of them. But it's a super important text because it's actually Jesus aligning himself with a messianic prophecy from Micah. It's a prophetic text in that way. It's also a prophetic text in that it's foreshadowing what's about to happen. And so it's worth us spending a few minutes with this text. Ultimately, Jesus is saying, if you live your life like me, you're gonna experience loss. And it can cut like a knife right through your family. If you follow Jesus and his path of self-sacrificial love, you will inevitably experience loss. This loss could be at the hands of your own family. Jesus is not saying that Christians should be hateful towards people in their own families. Amen? He's saying some family members may reject you because of Jesus, not the other way around. Some of you in this room carry wounds at the rejection of family. And it's because somebody has said, because I follow Jesus, I do not accept you. 
That is not what this text is saying. And I'm sorry. Happy Pride Month. In verse 37, Jesus actually upholds that there's a proper place for family. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. There's a cultural norm here that Jesus is trying to expose. Specifically, in the Greco-Roman world, household conflict would threaten heir legitimacy. It's how wealth was transferred. The passing on of wealth and of family social standing would be absolutely at risk if there was a dividing conflict in a family. And Jesus is saying, as you follow me, your security may become tested. You will either be loyal to the world system that you have been dependent on for security, or you will shift your dependency to God. You may lose your sense of security in order to find something new. For the disciples, a family fissure put at risk one's survival. So literally, one saves one's life through their family and their household, and one loses one's life apart from their family. And Jesus is flipping this concept, and he's saying your dependency is first to be on God, whether you are in or out of your family. It gets heavier. Verse 38. Whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. The invitation to follow Jesus means to go with Jesus, to be all in and all the way. And Jesus is being very clear that in the process, you will lose yourself. Taking up one's cross is related to what happens when following Jesus puts one in a place where they could no longer count on social constructs. Taking up one's cross means to die to, or to no longer count on, or to no longer trust in the ways in which those constructs have provided identity and security and worth. Taking up one's cross is to follow the path of losing one's self through sacrificial love 
and embracing those living life on the margins. In losing oneself, one finds oneself. I must decrease so that he might increase. Richard Rohr says, the path of love and the path of suffering seem to be the two great paths of transformation. That we would be changed through love and through suffering. He says, suffering seems to get our attention. Yeah? Suffering seems to get our attention. Love seems to get our heart. Taking up our cross is walking the path of sacrificial love and walking the path of suffering. And that's not popular. It doesn't make for a good marketing material. And yet, it's a guarantee. It's not a great sell. I literally paced my kitchen. Like, this isn't good news. <laughs> Where, like, there's, where's, the good, where's the good news? The, what's the sell in this? How am I going to get people to sign up for this? And the Lord's like, it's not a good sell. <laughs> And then the Lord gave me permission, said, it's not yours to sell. This way of love and of suffering must be a divine invitation. In this text of Matthew 10, to take up the cross aligns the disciples' mission and fate with that of Jesus which is humiliation, suffering, shame, opposition, and death on a cross. Taking up the cross implies identification with marginalized people, literally the slaves and rebels who were subject to Roman execution because they did not align themselves with Rome's authority, and thus they shared the same fate as Jesus. Jesus is saying to his disciples, and I believe to us this morning, this is what my path looks like. And should you choose to come with me, it is a path of great suffering and of great sacrificial love. But you will find a new life. It reminds me of the big story of Jesus, that there must be a death if there is ever going to be a resurrection. But between the death and resurrection, there's three days of hell. And some of us, that's the part of the story that we're still in. Jesus promises that those who lose their life for him will in fact find it. It's a hard sell. 
our amygdala kicks in and it's like fight or flight. You want me to lose my life? How about I fight you about that? I wrestle with this. I'm still not settled. I may not be the best spokesperson for this passage. I actually struggle with it a lot, like maybe daily. You see, many of you know that we're a foster family. And as a foster family, we have experienced these two great truths. Great sacrificial love and great suffering. And in my experience, the path into losing your life in order to find it has mostly been just a continual descent. We've definitely loved. We've definitely lost. And we continue to suffer. I continue to have legal accusations hurled against me about every six months. We continue to get phone calls from our agency that lawyers have been hired, all because of sacrificial love. I'm still waiting for the resurrection part of our story. And the new life that we're living in is not what we expected. And yet, at the same time, I wouldn't change it for the world. And so I guess that says something. Maybe I'm the perfect spokesperson for this text. I can see the ad campaign now. Become a foster home, you will lose your life through great love and suffering. The idea of losing in order to find is a huge cosmic invitation. And it is a beautiful, terrifying proposition. And it's so much more than I or anyone could present in a talk. And it's absolutely got to be an invitation from God. And so I want to make space for that. I want us to make space to hear from God. In this passage, Jesus said that God whispers. God whispers in our ears. God whispers to us. And so I'm curious about that this morning. After all that's been sung, 
and all that's been said, all the amazing testimonies. And now having heard these scriptures, I'm curious of what God might be whispering to you. And so I want to take two minutes and just listen. So God, we invite you to whisper and help us to listen. I'm going to invite the elders that are present to come up, just kind of line up across the front here. One of the gifts that we have, one of the gifts that we have is other people leveraging their faith for us. So when we get in our stories and we know that we're three, three days in the grave still, it can be helpful for someone else to enter that space with us. And so I offer that this morning. We have elders that are here that are available to pray. If you're in that spot and you're longing for breakthrough or a lifeline or to be able to just catch your breath, perhaps a good step would be to come and have one of our elders pray to join you in that space. Perhaps you heard something very specific from God, and it would, you would do well to write it down to capture that moment. Or perhaps there's a response that you need to take even now from that. So with Harvey's encouragement, take your face masks off, I think is what he said, which sounds very... Uh, anti-masker, and that's not at all where we stand. Take the face mask off, the masking. Be authentic, be vulnerable. I know it's risky. It's risky. But if we've heard anything today, it's that we can't do this alone. It won't go well. 
And so we offer prayer. Bo's going to lead us in communion together. But if you want prayer, uh, step out now into the aisle and come down. And while we're doing that, while we're doing communion, we'll offer prayer. Even after communion, we'll offer prayer. But if anyone right now is wanting prayer, just stand up where you are, come, come forward and meet up with one of our elders here. Right now you should, yeah. Ben's over here, Bonnie's here, Dan's over here. Come, come and get prayer, come and get help. You take us. And so we're gonna participate in communion this morning. It's a chance to welcome Jesus and all the fullness of Jesus through participation. And so uh, this week is the one where we've got the sack lunch version, and we're going to have you gather around, uh, pull into pockets of no more than eight, and we're going to walk you through to take this together. One of the things that we think this invitation to the table is something that we all need to be comfortable receiving because that is it's one way welcoming Jesus yourself and also welcoming and and understanding that the people around you are welcomed as well um, that this is not something that is uh, out of limits for you to be able to do around your table in your home um, as you gather with others and so on the fourth Sunday, we have this practice of it doing this way. So I've got a number of these. So we want to have people pull together in a pocket of eight, and I'm going to walk you through. And we're just going to take communion together in that. So if we want to move into a pocket of eight, I might need some help distributing some bags here. And so here's a bag up here for this crew. Can I have somebody who wants to come up and people just kind of come and grab one? And um, I'm going to walk you through, not a script, but a little guideline, and then we're going to take communion. What's that? Yeah, one bag per group. They have eight cups in them. And so if you can, gather around a pocket of people. If there's more than eight, then you might need a second set of cups. Um, just make sure you don't, don't do it alone. So pull around. You are welcome in here. Let me just talk you. I'll, I'll walk through the little sheet that we have. Anybody wants another one? You can see it. But this is real simple. You guys are already kind of, you know, already know what you're doing here. So again, communion is a beautiful reminder 
of the self-giving love of Jesus, and as a result, our union into the household of God. And so this is the thing, God, there is a household that God is building, a family. And if you have lost one, Jesus is saying, uh, I am building a family. The, the scripture is up there for Luke, so when we do it, we'll have you just read it. This is what Jesus did when he met with his disciples, and he offered bread and wine. After someone has read the scripture from Luke, then someone will, will, will pray, just a prayer of thanks to God for Jesus giving himself as an act of love towards us. So when we, look, when we think about the cross, that is Jesus' self-giving love demonstrated for us. That's the way that the followers of Jesus interpreted it. Jesus said, I give myself. My life is not taken from me. Yes, it was violence that happened, but I gave myself. And so when he invites us into that self-giving love, and so we're reminded of that. And so someone will just pause in your group and we kind of get to that when I say, all right, time to kind of walk through this. Someone just give a prayer. And go, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love. That would be a simple prayer. So again, nothing, you don't got to pray long, but a simple prayer of thanks for Jesus. And then if somebody wants to read, one of the most transforming things about Holy Communion is that it obliges you to see the person next to you as wanted by God. God wants that person's company as well as mine. And so this is the chance as we get to take this together, it's seeing everyone and say, oh, wanted by God, wanted by God, wanted by God. And that's a beautiful reminder of this table that Jesus communicates. Then we'll have someone pour some juice into the cups for each person and they'll pass that and the roll. Um, and as you pass the bread and the juice to each person, as each person receives it to the next, we wanted to practice this together just to speak to each other as you pass the cup or the bread, just saying this, God welcomes you and wants your company. And so again, as you get handed a cup of juice when you pass it to the next, God welcomes you and wants your company. I believe this is a part of the message of Jesus that we shout from the rooftops. The inclusion of God he welcomes us and he wants our company this is what we proclaim there is healing in those words and then we'll eat as you've passed them at we'll eat and drink and then with someone will just close with a prayer at the end and this is a prayer that was in deuteronomy it's a priestly blessing that the high priest would would do there are there's probably no one of the line of aaron here who would be of high priestly mode um but again god's heart was is that they would be a whole nation of priests a whole people of priests who would live in service to god and in service to one another and so anyone can pray that prayer invoking the name of god to bless all the people here sitting and so this is just a, a chance just to kind of walk this through a template of sorts with that. So we invite you um, to, to receive this invitation. Even as Nate was even said, this was for people who were, the text today was about Jesus sending his disciples to go and to heal and to love and to proclaim good news. And yet it was one of heavy saying, there's going to be great opposition to that message. 
And so come and eat and receive this message for yourselves and participate in the life of Jesus. So I release you guys here at in your pockets to um, share this together with one another. So let's, let's participate.
Beautiful. Good. In our eating and drinking, we welcome Jesus. Right? And, and know that it's with all those words of Jesus saying, don't be afraid. <laughs> you are worth a lot to me. You're mine. And so in that, we've welcomed him, his message, his love, his life. And Jesus sends us into the way of love, which is costly. And to proclaim that message of love. May you be strengthened as you go. I've got another five communion, kind of a roll and juice and eight cups. And again, if there is a, someone you know who has found themselves isolated, alone, not able to connect in community, who needs to hear that God welcomes them and wants their company, needs to be able to taste that, um, I'll grab, um, come up here and grab, we have five to go if you want to take them and then I can give an extra sheet in order that in order that we go on the fourth Sunday we're also trying to be able to deliver communion to anyone in our community who's homebound and so we had a number of offers out um, this week no one took us up on it we have some coming but if you know of someone who is homebound lonely which isolated struggling even to to be together just because of maybe it's just a hard season of life and being together is hard we invite you to come come grab another set and um, share share this with them uh, and so the elements are here if you would uh, like to grab another set in order to um, go to someone to be sent in order to share this message of god's love and care for them Prayer is still available. May God bless you and sustain you as you go. If you fold out one of those couple of cards, pop it up there on the board. But God, may God bless you and keep you. Thanks, sir. Tom's got something. So tomorrow's a, a very special day. Um, we have our own um, number one hype man at Genesis the Church. If you're new here, you're probably seeing somebody dancing at the beginning. And if, um, if you're not new here, you probably look forward to this every single week. Tomorrow, this young man turns 29 years old. So we're gonna get him up here and we're gonna sing happy birthday to him. Andrew, get up here. So here we go. You ready for this? Do you want happy birthday. And if you can do a high kick without hurting yourself, let's do it. High kicks for Andrew as you go. Balance it out on both sides. God bless you. Have a good week.